Let me tell you a secret. Veterans are entering a world full of opportunity, but you can only participate if you know the tricks of personal branding, leveraging your skills in the modern digital economy, and most importantly, positioning your benefits and assets to give you financial control when you stop following orders. I'm Scott Tucker, and I'm here to tell you what they don't want you to know. Welcome to Veteran Wealth Secrets, where we show you how to go from apathy and aspiration to autonomy and financial control. Welcome back, everyone. Scott Tucker here again with another episode of Veteran Wealth Secrets, where this show really is about opening the opportunities and, and the ideas that whether you're active duty or you're in transition or you're a veteran, you're not quite doing something that you want to do to see what the other opportunities are out there. And that's why I'm so excited for today's guest, Jason Willis-Croft who enlisted in the Marines in 1998 and then graduated from the Naval Academy in 1995 before he was commissioned in the Navy until 2000 at the height of the dot-com boom. And he was determined to become an internet millionaire, but within 18 months, that whole dot-com thing crashed. And then we knew what happened with 9-11. So after a series of technology startups that led to a career in data management consulting for global financial institutions. Uh, Jason plays every role from junior developer for hire to fancy pants CEO, as he says. And along the way, Jason picked up a few tips, specifically, you can't do it alone. And then he wants to share a couple of tricks of how not to do it alone. So right now, Jason is talking to us because uh, he lives on, in, on the island of Bali in Indonesia. So that'll tell you what going outside the box could do for you. But his latest venture that we're going to get into is Ring Knocker, a community of current and former military officers who meet on a Zoom call every Thursday night to redefine the concept of mutual interlocking file support. Wow, that is a lot of info to share. Let me bring Jason on. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to hear your story. You started Ring Knocker. I think you reached out to me early on. Unfortunately, I had some things going on. I haven't been able to participate, but I saw it just blow up. I've had so many people talk to talk about how awesome it is. So now that my book's done and I can get out there and start promoting, I want to join it. But how you doing, man? It looks like uh, it's getting cold where I'm at. It looks like you're doing all right. Every day is about 80 degrees, uh, about 90% humidity and absolutely gorgeous. I love living here. Very cool. I haven't been to Bali. I've been to Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand, but definitely Just like that. more beaches, but humid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how long have you been there? Oh, like about a thousand years. We we came uh, last December, so we're actually going to hit our one year anniversary on the 18th of this month. Very cool. Let's just start right there. That everybody's dream: go live in a, in an exotic location when you can do it. Was this something you had planned out? How how do you end up in in Bali? Live live in the dream. It, it yeah, because I mean that that's a great place. Yeah. It's I've heard so many great things about it. I'll just let you talk. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not, look, the, the work that I do professionally is, uh, it's location independent now, right? So it used to be we'd have to fly and, you know, visit clients and stay in hotels and all that. But after a while, they, the, the remote tools got better and better and the clients mm-hmm. realized that they'd rather not spend as much as they were spending on plane fare and such. So for quite a while, I was working remotely from home, which was Chicago for many years. Mm-hmm. And it just one day I, I met a guy, I met a guy who was actually retired NASA, who 
splits his time between Chicago and Bali. Mm-hmm. And we had a conversation and it kind of opened my eyes like, wait, well, what am I doing here? <laughs> right? I don't need to be. I don't know if you've ever been through a Chicago winter, but. Uh, I'm from Ohio. I'm from North right, East, right, Northeast you know, Ohio, you know, Amish country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my girlfriend and I percolated on it for a little bit. And finally, we decided to, to give it a try, right? So we came out here last December expecting to spend three months kind of with an option to you know, maybe extend a little bit. And there was some stuff I wanted to work on. And I mean, one of the, one of the nice trade-offs in a place like this is that a, 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 a nice quality of life is not expensive. And so you can, if you've got a little bit of money in the bank and, and, and if you've got some ideas you want to work out, you can fail at stuff a few times and it's okay. You can mm-hmm. pick it up and, and try something different and, and it's, it's not like you're not going to be able to afford the next meal. I have friends that live in Thailand on, on a villa on a hill overlooking a beautiful ocean and they survive not just the rent, but everything, oh. $1,000 a month. And oh, it's ridiculous. Like yeah. a yoga yeah. instructor. And, and especially yeah. in this day and age where, I don't know about this last year, maybe you could tell us, with the ability to communicate. I lived in Europe for 11 years. And so that was, it was a long time away from my family. And the, the assumption is that being away from that, you're making a mistake by not staying in America. And, and the expat life, maybe not for a permanent thing, but to, to try it out, like you said, you can make a lot more mistakes. Because going down to Mexico and Costa Rica, people think these things are scary. So, oh, it's not safe and all that. Did you have any sort of reservations or, or based on your travel? You probably already knew. Ba- Bali is a different sort of place, right? It is extraordinarily safe. It's one of the one of the safest places that you can go. So mm-hmm. you know, you go to Mexico and it's gorgeous, like right. kidnapped. Right? <laughs> um, that's, that's not an issue here. For that reason, we, we felt pretty confident. Um, and when so we were still here when coronavirus hit. Right? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Did you get stuck? Yeah. So we were actually right at that three month point, and we were getting ready to to extend our visas. And in our case, what that meant was we we had to leave the country and 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 come back. Mm-hmm. So we had already planned a trip to Malaysia to it's called we call it a visa run to go do that. Mm-hmm. Kuala Lumpur is just a couple hour flight away, and uh, we so neat thing about Bali and I guess a lot of other places now is co-working centers, right? Like we worked with, with coconuts. So we, we were doing that. So there was a place where we'd go every day and work and a lot of other people, great bandwidth connection and all that. I was at home. Uh, my girlfriend was at the co-working place and she called me up and she's like, I, I hear all these people, everybody's talking about this coronavirus thing and how they might close the country. Wow. Maybe we should leave now. Like maybe we should go mm-hmm. like tomorrow. And so I'm like, all right, if you feel so strongly about it. So we changed our tickets. Uh, we went to, we flew to Kuala Lumpur on like Saturday morning. I uh, got the visas done on Monday, left Kuala Lumpur to come back to uh, Bali on, on Tuesday. Malaysia closed their borders on Wednesday. Wow. Indonesia closed their borders on Friday. And that was it. it, it we were, everything was locked down. That, that was the story, right? So after that, people could leave, but they couldn't come back, right? And so the population of foreigners on Bali dwindled from something like 800,000 to 7,000, right? Wow. Yeah, we are ghosts on Bali. It was pretty quiet for quite a while. And now things are picking up. People have figured out they can get business visas. And I'm a little concerned because we're getting a, like, traffic. Indonesian traffic is insane. It's it's just like the scariest thing you've ever seen on oh, a motorbike. Really? Oh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, you know, it was hard in your throat. But it was actually like, you didn't notice it for, for many months because yeah. there just weren't a lot of people. Now the traffic's picking up and there's a lot of foreigners and there's some concern like, 
what's going to happen? Are we right. going to get the? We haven't we haven't had the big coronavirus outbreak. Mm. It's been they, they locked down early and hard. It's been really isolated. I think we've been really lucky. Like we still got to breakfast. You have to wear a mask, but not everybody does, and you're yeah. comfortable. Who knows what happens when the foreigners start coming back? But for the last year, it's been beautiful. <laughs> wow. I'm guessing part of this also has to uh, do with how you came up with Ring Knocker. But before we get to that, I, I want to go back to your story of coming out of the military, like you said, in your bio, during the dot-com era. Uh, yeah. You're clearly a smart guy who knew what he wanted to do. What kept you from going the, quote-unquote, smart and safe path? And going down a route where you were, you're doing getting into startups is risky business, but you build skill sets and, and network pretty quickly. I imagine. Tell us what that was all like for you. I'm probably less risk averse than I should be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it was, it was 2000, right? Uh, that my, my, my service commitment was up then. And I'd had 12 years in uniform at that point. So, you know, I was, I was getting a little tired of it. I was married to my oh, yeah. first wife. And she wasn't really handling the separation well. So I was like, it was one of those things where on the one hand, uh, maybe it's time for a change. We'll see if we can save the marriage. And on the other hand, everybody was like socks and dog food and sock puppets. And uh, everybody was making a a fortune Mm -hmm. doing almost anything on the internet. So I wanted, I was going to become an internet millionaire. I got halfway there. I found the internet and I, I got involved in a, like a financial services startup. I'm a math guy, right? So I was building uh, proprietary trading systems and there's a little bit of a hedge fund involved and and it, it worked out really well for about nine months and and then um, and then the the dot com era very abruptly ended mm-hmm. and we did very well we broke even everybody else lost their shirts but it was, wow. it was clearly time to go so that was the end of that and I wound up running a, a gym in Chicago that's actually how I got to Chicago got stuck there for 17 years oh really I, I think it's been 20 years and yeah. from that and people forget what the dot-com boom was. Heck, I was a sophomore at West Point. Like, I don't I didn't even know what was going on. We're currently at, even with all these shutdowns and stuff, it seems to be, at least the stock market's doing well. People have this, I, I, I don't know. Do you see that we're in any sort of danger similar to what was going on back then where people are just kind of not looking out for the risks that, that could be coming? Well, that's always When it true. comes financially, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we could go off in a whole different direction. Yeah, that's uh, I'd, true. You know, I'd, I'd recommend Nassim Nicholas Taleb has a whole series, Black Swan and all that. Mm. Strongly recommend picking those up and reading them if you want to. If you want a, a a very quick master's course in, in how to think about risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but long story short, yeah, we're in a bubble now. We were in a bubble then. It's a different bubble. I think that the bubble currently is is being held open by what what we like to call quantitative easing instead mm-hmm. of sock puppets, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, the effect is much the same, right? I guess the, the short answer is no, nobody knows what's going to happen. And so it makes a lot of sense to position yourself to thrive no matter what. I mean, I mean, speaking of ring knocker, that's why we're there. The whole point is to thrive through anything. So that's kind of why it's there. Yeah. So how did Rick Knocker co- come about? You must have had a lot of help along the way. Clearly, you, you didn't do it alone, even <clears throat> even though you're the leader of this. It, it, it seems like it's, oh, you might have had a big idea or whatever. But tell us the story of, of how you came about creating Ring, Ring Knocker. I didn't do it alone, but I tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of usually how things start. It's have this idea, I'll go learn all this stuff. And uh, and it's rare when, when you can really be a true solopreneur. Well, what happened was uh, a buddy of mine, Navy class of 2013, sent me a, a kid who was getting out of the service, another naval officer, 
who was getting out of the service and was interested in getting into data, which is my neck of the woods. And so I just had to yeah, have a conversation, maybe help him get oriented in the space. And I had, we had a great conversation. Like I just, I, I love the experience. And I have not been, you mentioned building your network earlier. I'm a, I'm a horrible networker, right? Like mm-hmm. this is generally not what I do. So I've been mostly disconnected from the, the alumni community and all that. I've really, after I left the service, I just kind of went off and did my own thing. Mm-hmm. So I talked to this kid and I uh, had this, just a really uplifting experience. I'm like, oh, a bunch of my classmates did this. So I started a yeah. Facebook group and, and invited a bunch of my classmates to, Facebook has this kind of mentoring thing. Come do this. And the response was astonishing. I got like, I had like a hundred volunteer mentors inside of two weeks. Wow. I've never had more than two mentees. Okay. It was, um, so I, we didn't really help a lot of kids, but the message was very clear. Like you knuckle draggers really want to help your shipmates, right? Mm-hmm. It's really it's like, wow. So, um, so I was just, we were thinking about like, how do you, how do we do that? How do we get, how do we get the message out to prospective mentees, blah, blah. And then coronavirus hit. And so it was actually my girlfriend says, why don't you just forget the Zoom? Cause I was complaining about how, what a pain in the butt Facebook was. Mm-hmm. Facebook, why don't you just do a Zoom call? Okay, fine. So we, we decided to call it the ring knocker virtual meetup. <laughs> and, uh, and we I just put out the word and we got seven participants. And it was a, like a, you know, a, a Thursday night back in the States. And this is on March 26th. And it was, it went way too long, right? So I'd scheduled 90 minutes. It went, it went like two hours and 15 minutes. It was just like was epic. It was completely awkward. I, I had no guest speaker or anything. I was like the only person. And it was uh, awesome. It was just, it was awesome. It was like this, this weird kind of class reunion sort of mastermindy thing. And so we're like, all right, let's do that again. So we did it again the next week. And that time, I think, I think I, I actually managed a guest speaker by the next week and, mm-hmm. and, and figured out that maybe I should just keep it to an hour and a half. And, and we just kept on doing it. We did it 35 weeks in a row, wow. 35 weeks. We, what we do here is we capture the video. We, we publish like the full video of the call with like my notes and deep links to all the speakers, which you can imagine that takes some time. Right. And then we extract clips of people in the videos saying cool shit. Excuse me. Can I swear here? Yeah, I mean, hey, right. it's the internet. All right, all right. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. All right, we extract clips of people saying cool stuff and showing what they got. And, and, and so then we take the clips out and put them on, on the YouTube channel. And, all right, so it's a lot of work. Yeah. And at the beginning, I was doing all of it. It was, it was crushing. And as the ideas kept coming and we kept on doing it and we thought of more and more stuff, the website, all, all this stuff. And, and yeah, I, it was all my thing, my idea. So I just kept on doing it all. And at some point, my, my, my girlfriend went into just total revolt. <laughs> right? She's like, you got to get some help. So then, you know, it went on to Upwork and, and started figuring out some of the stuff I guess we'll talk about in a minute. But mm-hmm. that's, that's really how it got started. The idea was, this is, you can't get all sitting around at home, like maybe trying to work remotely, maybe trying to figure out what now. And... This is, look, this is a, a thing, Scott. We have, our professional network is different, all right? Mm-hmm. If you went to Harvard, you took, cl- you didn't just take classes. You took like, you had semesters devoted to how to leverage your professional network. And your professional network went to Harvard. It's, it's a thing. But yeah, but if you went to the Naval Academy or West Point or someplace like that, what happened was you graduated, you went to like surface warfare school or, or, or the basic school in the Marine Corps, 
and you wound up dragging a backpack or, or, or conning a ship out a thousand miles from no place, and your professional network was the other knuckle draggers around you keeping your ass alive. You, you never got that orientation until you know three months before you left the service and you got tarp school, tarp class, and that, that's it. That's, that's all. So what you have is a professional network forged in fire and steel, and you have no idea what to do with it. Yeah, it's crazy. So, it's nuts. So I'm like, all right, let's figure this shit out. And I'm, I'm certainly, I'm no expert in this, clearly, right? Like, I've literally, I've got the same problem. I've, I never figured out how to do this. What I can do is build machines, right? Mm. I'm like, all right, fine, I'm going to build a networking machine. <laughs> that's your ring knocker is. It's, it's uh, my job is to, is to herd a bunch of hyper intelligent knuckle draggers onto a Zoom call every week. And their job, with a little encouragement from yours truly, is to figure out what to do with the opportunity. We mentor the young guys who are getting out of the service and transitioning. We help them figure out like where to go, and sometimes we hire them. And the older guys, we, we do business together. We become one another's clients and employees sometimes, business partners. And it's just the way it's worked out. We've, we've done it entirely by Braille uh, over the last nine, nine months. And... Um, That's the story. And we're still figuring it out, right? Part of my deal is I, I, like many people, I eat occasionally. So I'm, I'm figuring out how to, you know, monetize it to a point where I can, Mm. you know, do that. And, and, you know, plus, honestly, the nice thing about business is you get feedback from people who are paying for the privilege, right? There's skin in the game in both directions. I'm I'm a firm believer that, that, that business is better than charity if you want to do effective things, right? Because money is a strong indicator of whether or not you're actually doing your job well. Um, yeah. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're trying to figure out how to monetize it. There's a whole, that's who I am, there's a whole technology platform underneath it driving the thing that is interesting in its own. But as far as the community goes, we are, uh, we're out there uh, with our sleeves rolled up and, and doing stuff. Yeah, man. It's been amazing to watch. I, I love a story of, hey, seeing a problem, recognizing a personal need mm. and saying, hey, nobody else has shown me how to do it. I'm going to go figure it out. And you said it, business, there's 45,000 veteran service organizations. They, there are so many free help and advice over there. And I've always argued for years, then why aren't we solving the problem? It's mm-hmm. it, it, There's a lot of goodwill, but sometimes it gets confusing and stuff. And inventors don't know where to turn. They get confused. They come to me and say, not only do I not know what I want to do when I grow up, there's too much stuff out there. And and it's, you're just sitting around and, and they're throwing stuff at you like a fire hose and give you the same cookie cutter information that everybody else gets. You need to go out and find people that you want to be like, learn from, maybe work for free or, or do some, maybe pay them some money to teach you or to get yourself into stuff. What are you finding that, people coming to your group are doing differently maybe, or what, what, what kind of feedback have they given where they're like, ah, I'm, that, now I'm having little epiphanies here and there. What can other veterans do, whether they're getting join your group, which I highly recommend or, or otherwise to, to get themselves to help find their identity, their purpose. Okay. Let me share another number with you. You said 45,000 VSOs, right? Mm-hmm. Here's another number, 17,000 every year. There are 17,000 brand new former military officers mm. every year. And that number has remained more or less stable since well before the Vietnam War. Okay. There are hundreds of thousands. And I'm just talking officers here, right? Yeah, yeah. Hundreds of thousands of us out there. We are 
everywhere. We are at every level of industry. We are at every level of entrepreneurship. We are everyone. And again, that's just the officers, right? Leadership training, right? Right, right. And then, then there's all, all, all the enlisted guys out there too. Are the, I don't, I'm guessing here, but I would say that we are by far the largest cohesive, let's call it an affinity group mm-hmm. in the United States. And we're completely invisible. Yeah. Completely. So what does that mean? It means that when you're looking for a job, did you go to TARP class? I was, I got out in Germany and it was just like, it, it's that wasn't a huge military base. It was just like, yeah, yeah go make sure you yeah. sign off in this, in this paperwork. But hey, I talk to people every day. I talk to people every day going through it and yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's the deal. Tar- I don't even know what TARP stands for, but it's a class they keep, that- They keep that- changing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a class that everybody's supposed to take before you get out of the service. Right. And it's going to teach you how to, how to network and how to write a resume and all that other bullshit. So one of the messages that they're going to tell you in TARP class, and, and you're going to hear it, I hear it all the time at the meetups, is I, I, it's hard to translate. Like, I'm really good at operating a machine gun. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> how, does that, how does that translate? Right? What does that mean? How do you put that on a resume? And, and you can tell the, the people who came through TARP because the, the descriptions on their LinkedIn profiles mm-hmm. all read exactly the same way. Yep. Um, so it's hard to translate that stuff. And one of the, one of the sort of big, big epiphanies here is if you know enough of us, if you're really connected to enough of us, you don't have to. You don't have mm-hmm. to, okay? Because pick 10 companies out there that you might like to work for. Guess what? The hiring manager or two of them, they're, knuckle, they're a knuckle dragger just like you. Yeah. They, they already know who you are. You have nothing to prove to those people. Your measure has already been taken. So that's why I'm talking about this whole idea of activating your professional network. You already got one. You got the mm-hmm. biggest professional network in the country of mm-hmm. people who, you know, where other people, I'm quoting my own website here. Other people have, they've got experience and promises signed in ink. Yours are, yours are signed in blood, Right. Nobody, absolutely nobody in the country, in the world, really, who hasn't served the way that we've served has the mutual experience of trust and confidence that we do. There's just that there's a difference between covering somebody's ass in a, in a, in a, in a boardroom and covering somebody's ass in a fighting hole. It's mm-hmm. not the same thing. It's qualitatively different. So, you know, what, what I would like to see is more of us Instead of trying to explain ourselves to people who, frankly, couldn't possibly understand, mm-hmm. I would like to see us <laughs> network our way to people who already understand and do business with them. Yeah. We're, and then, you know, we can explain ourselves with our actions and, and, and with our performance rather than trying to explain to a person who's, who's never touched a gun, you know, what it means to service a machine gun. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's no SOP for how to get out of the military, but we're living as a veteran in the United States of America in the year 2020. There's never been never been a better opportunity in all of human history, I believe, for a group of people to take advantage of stuff. We're in the internet age. The fact that you and I are having this conversation, we can, hey, here's two veterans talking that would like to help each other out. Gee, you know, why can't everybody... Figure out how to use this better. I actually think a lot of the problem is, as you were saying, when when we're out in the field, we're on a ship. 
We're, you're not taking oh, yeah. the, the you're, we're not getting the digital skill sets. And this is the kind of stuff that you should be teaching in TAPS class. How do you comfortably you know, leverage the internet to your advantage? And nobody talks about build, build, instead of writing a resume, write a book, start a podcast, make a yep. website, learn to blog. Like this is how you put yourself out there so that folks can get to know you and then veterans can sh share info about you. So now, I love that you're, you're giving people the opportunity and the skill set and knowledge to do it. Jason, as we wrap up here, what's what do you see? I know you're evolving as we're as you're going through here and still learning, but what do you see if we're talking three years from now? What's what are you yeah. right now? What's your kind of uh, <clears throat> goal of where you see this thing going? Well, okay, so we've got a, a, a number of people at Ringknocker who are, you know, these guys are amazing. I got I, it. You go to any ring knocker meetup and <clears throat> often like a third to half of the people on that meetup, talking 20 to 40 people have command experience, right? We're mm -hmm. talking about people who've, who've built and sold not just one, but multiple companies. And then there's the other guys, the guys just getting out, but <laughs> it's a hell of a group of people. Mm -hmm. These people have, they got lessons to share and some of them are already sharing them. What I would like to see, and we're actually, we're working on, on I hope, in fact, right after this, I've, I've got a call with one of these guys. <laughs> Working on, the, working on the first of these right now are courses, right? Online courses is a cliche now. How do I do X, whatever X is? How do I get into this business? How do I get into that business? If I wanted to do this, how would I do it? Lessons, not just, hey, sit around and, and listen, but actual, you know, face-to-face -face lessons taught by the people who've been where you've been and done what you want to do. So... That's the sort of thing that an education is definitely a thing now, but it's also the sort of thing that, that can really activate what we've got to offer. On the one hand, <clears throat> put those skills to work. And on the other hand, just as an example, if I've got, if I've got 20 people going through a course on how, how to do government contracting, right? Some of those people are going to found contracting organizations some of those people are going to want to work for contracting organizations. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They went through the same course together. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, so, so really just extending that, that, that connection from, from the meetups, which is, you know, primarily into something more directed and more, and more directed, right. You know, so, something, something that they can activate into careers, into employees, into real business. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what I, that's coming up for sure for 2021. Man, I love the vision. And and I actually, what I'm thinking and seeing right there, it's like somebody could come in, network, and take one of those courses to be an employee, but then come right back and eventually to take to the next level, maybe start a business. That's where I want veterans yeah. to think, hey, just because you get out and maybe you translate your skills or find some sort of job, keep exploring. Be creatively exploring. And Jason, you've clearly done that from your military career. I can't imagine you're going from enlisted to an academy and then being right in the middle of the internet age. And you've seen so many different things. So you bring a ton of value. I'm glad you've come back into the veteran community and brought that vision and inspiration. I'm looking forward to participating more and and spreading the word. How do people contact you? Who should be, uh, who are you looking to, to network with to bring more, more into uh, Ring Knockers? It's easy, right? ringknocker.net just go there go I'll to the meetups page go to the meetups page uh, click the register button and, and you're in we're open to all current and former united states military officers regardless of service or commissioning source we, we welcome everybody you know it's, it's 
It is probably 80% Naval Academy at this point, so we'll give you West Pointers a little bit of a hard time. But we got VMI grads, we got Coast Guard grads, we got Merchant Marine grads, we got plenty of ROTC people. It's an awesome, awesome bunch of people. My my oldest attendee was Navy class of 1957, wow. and my youngest attendee, West Point class of 2020. All right, man, you're getting them all. Wow, that's that's cool that uh, you're getting at the at the end of the day. This is all we have is Zoom right now, so mm -hmm. uh, you might as well take a, take advantage of these types of things. But oh, that's awesome, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm an introvert at heart. People wouldn't believe that, but when I go to networking events, I like going to conferences because I see all my online friends who are also introverts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, that I, like this, right? Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't know if yeah. if that's going to happen again. And but, but hey, you can communicate with everybody online and and still bring groups together, still make relationships. Let's not be afraid of this stuff. This is the, yeah. the technology always wins. So we might as well learn to use it and embrace it. Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you again so much for coming on. We're looking you, forward man. to seeing what happens in 2021 with Ring Knocker. All right, brother. Come tell us about your book. You bet. You bet. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Veteran Wealth Secrets. Make sure you subscribe and share, especially this video, because we're talking about networking. We want to get the word out. It has never been an easier way to do it. So please share and help support our community and yourself as well. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Veteran Wealth Secrets. Be sure to subscribe to us on all the podcast channels also on YouTube, and share it with a friend. Visit our website at usvetwealth.com to get access to all of our free resources, including the first three chapters of Veteran Wealth Secrets, the post-military guide to gaining autonomy and control. You can get that today on our website, first three chapters for free, or you can go to amazon.com if you want the Kindle or paperback. We have other resources all over the website, so check out usvetwealth.com to learn more.